What up, what up, what up? This is Big Ray, and it's finally going down. Gonna start a podcast with my man Michael Bumpus. The show will officially be called Big Ray and Bumpus, and we're gonna be talking a little bit of sports. We're gonna hint it up, uh, sprinkle it up with a little current affairs. We're gonna pepper it down with a little social justice conversations. And then we're going to top it off with just two dudes discussing shit that happens. And so uh, we're excited to be bringing this to, to our fans and to our followers. And uh, again, my name is Ray Roberts. I'm the Big Ray part of uh, Big Ray and Bumpus, a former Seahawk, played in NFL for nine years, a graduate of the University of Virginia and the University of Washington. And so I've uh, been around the Seattle area for a long time, since 1992. And been on and off the airways uh, with the different radio stations in town, KJR and ESPN, uh, 710 ESPN, and obviously doing the pregame, postgame show uh, for the Seahawks. And so, uh, without further ado, here's my man, Michael Bumpus. So that's a great introduction, right? Appreciate that, baby. Uh, this is Michael Bumpus. Man, I'm from Southern California, went to Washington State University, had a couple years with the Hawks, went up to Canada, played up there. Currently, I'm the head coach at Monroe High School. I do work with Ray and Dory and Paul and Dave and all those good guys on the uh, the Seahawk pre and post game show. You can also catch me on Root Sports during the season on Thursdays covering high school games and on Saturdays covering the Big Sky. Like Ray said, man, I'm excited. Um, I've always wanted to do a podcast. I uh, got with a guy that I respect and I like, and uh, I'm anxious to see where this goes. Thank you for listening. Again, this is Big Ray and Bumpus Show. Holla at us. So, Big Mike, you just mentioned that you're from Southern California. Yes, sir. What is it that keeps you here in the Pacific Northwest? I'm from the hills <laughs> and the mountains of North Carolina. Yeah. And we can be a little backwards back there sometimes. Uh-huh. And, uh, and you know, it's, a, it's tough kind of growing up back there. So the, the trade-off between me being in the mountains of North Carolina or being in this great metropolitan city of Seattle with all the access to no, uh, technology and the water and, you know, all these different things that are going on here in Seattle, the, the return on the investment is great for me. But it seems like all I can think of is Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> it never rains in Southern California. <laughs> And you're here where it rains all the time. It rains all the time. Uh, you know what? I left California when I was 18 years old, and I never returned. One, I got an education at Washington State. And then, thankfully, the local team, the Hawks, picked me up. So, really, it all started business-wise. All my connections are here. I've developed all these relationships, you know. And, and two, um, I love Cali, but, man, I just I, – I'm not with that, that Hollywood status anymore. I'm – I'm more low-key these days. You catch me in 03, 04, you know what I'm saying? I want to be a rapper and all that good stuff. I but feel you. Nowadays, I'm a family man. Um, I love the Northwest. The rain doesn't bother me, believe it or not. My boys would be like, Bum, what you doing up there raining? I mean, it does, it does not affect what I do. I have rain gear for days now, and I'm just a cuss man. And I just like, it's low-key, man. I'm just kind of like a low-key dude. So, you know, I, I appreciate it, and I love it. Uh, but, okay, I'm going to send it back to you now. What's keeping you here? What has kept you here all these years? Well, well to be honest with you, when I when I came here as a Seahawk, uh, I had never been further west than like Chicago, and so I had, I'm like, man, where the heck is Seattle? Yeah. You know, I had to like really truly look it up. Y'all know me too. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, and so when I got here, uh, the very first thing I noticed coming from the airport, going to do my press conference after getting drafted, 
uh, after being up all night drinking a lot of beers, um, I was like, man, this place is like really clean. Like the roads yeah, were like clean. There was yeah. no trash on the roads. Like, it just everything just seemed really clean. So that was one of the first things I noticed. But what has kept me here is um, the community has just embraced me, you know, and, and being here and doing stuff outside of the Seahawks, outside of my playing career, just being involved in the community, coaching high school sports, uh, working with other organizations here in town, Rainier Scholars one, being one of them. Uh, those types of things, uh, I feel like this has become like my second home. I've actually lived here longer than I lived in my hometown, really? uh, if, you, if you don't count college. So I was 18, I went off to college. Yeah. So 18 years, I was in Asheville. I've been here over 20 years. So yeah. this feels like a second home to me. All my kids were born here, mm-hmm. all born right here in Kirkland. And, uh, and so it just feels like home to them too. So for me, the weather has never been an issue. Uh, the rain is, it is what it is. I like it. But just the access, the, uh, all the stuff that's going on in, in town, you can be a attached to a big city but not like a gigantic city like yeah. new york mm-hmm. and you can still you know get downtown go to nice restaurants go to nice shows do all those kinds of things and th- that's not happening in Asheville, north carolina we, 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 we have a lot of we have a lot of farms and cows and horses uh-huh. and we have a small downtown area but uh, i you mean you can about going back and working <laughs> on a farm buying some land and Big Ray out there plowing and all that you know stuff. what's funny that you say that mike is uh in eighth grade I had this um, this youth basketball coach who inherited his family's farm, ranch, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And I to keep myself out of trouble, I went over the summer, I would work this ranch. And so I learned how to drive a tractor. I learned how to ride a horse. I learned how to milk a cow. I learned how to do, you know, to shave the sheep, like uh, all that kind of stuff. And uh, and then we would take a bunch of fresh vegetables and put it on the truck and we'd go through town selling the vegetables. So I did that like eighth grade all the way up to like my senior high school yeah. in the summer. And so like there is a little bit of farming in me, but it was just like, eh, like I just, I think I'm, feel, I'm, I'm built for something different. Like You're I just want to, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, uh, let, let, let me give up the overalls yeah. and, uh, and, and I want to go, you know, play some football, get to mm-hmm. a, a big city. And it was really cool that the city I landed in was Seattle. Cause I, I love it with everything I have a huge Sonics fan. I'm a, a Mariner fan, like all that stuff. I embrace all the sports and, things are going here so that's that's kind of the things that the 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 tie that has bound me here man you said two things that kind of stuck out to me so i left school i left cali when i was 18 so when i'm 36 i'll officially be half and half i'm Mm. 33 now so i got three more years to keep my cali car right (laughs) i don't feel three kids and a wife married 10 years make it feel something else uh and then one when i was in cali the first thing uh i never camped before Mm. before i moved up here I've never been on a boat before I moved up here. I never went snowboarding. Um, and in California, you're not finding snow. You had to travel four <laughs> right. hours to find snow. You're not getting on the Pacific Ocean because that thing is dangerous, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And then camping, you know, West L.A., we just didn't camp. You yeah. Know? You know, we had sleepovers and stuff, you know. Well, you know, the thing that's funny you just said that is that um, I was one of the few people that got an interview with uh, Marshawn Lynch before he decided to not interview with anyone. Really? It was myself. And the Graz, I think we're doing, it was uh, called the uh, Monday Morning Quarterback. or We, we did a show right after the games uh, on Sunday. We would do a show on, on Monday mornings from the Seahawks facility. And uh-huh. we interviewed um, Marshawn Lynch. And he, and he, two things he said in that. One, he told Graz that he had a voice for radio, which sometimes people go like, so that means I don't have a face for TV. You know what <laughs> yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Which was kind of funny. The second thing he said was like, 
we asked him what was the first thing he noticed, you know, that, you know, he noticed about being in Buffalo. And mm-hmm. he was like, well, man, like, they got this slush, this stuff called slush. And we're, like, looking at each other like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, it's, it's like it's like snow that, like, gets wet. Like, it's like slush. And we're like, you've, you've never seen that before? He's like, man, I'm from Oakland. So he was like, we don't have slush or snow or any of that stuff in, in, in Oakland. So it was it was funny because it was like he had just discovered yeah. this this idea that, of snow that gets wet. And uh, and it was really genuine. It was kind of, it was it was really really funny. But uh, does it snow in North Carolina? Oh yeah, it snows so, in North Carolina. So you, you you've experienced it before you you came out here. Oh yeah, that for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's probably more in North Carolina where I grew up right. than than out here. Like you know, we get a little snow, but not a not a ton. But anyway, well, we're gonna move on uh, into the show. And just again, uh, this is Big Ray and Bumpus, yeah. and this is our first podcast. We're gonna uh, try to get these out. At least uh, once a once a week, uh, and uh, and the focus of the of the show is we're going to talk a little sports. So today we're going to cover some of the Seahawks, uh, the the season the Seahawks had. Maybe highlight some of their players or so, something about the team uh, that we liked or we want to see improve. We're going to do a little overview of the NFL season, just some high level stuff, just kind of some of the themes of the season, some things that have kind of popped out for us. And then we have uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the the, lead, the events leading up to the Super Bowl with the with the no call in the Saints game, and then we'll get into another segment that we're going to call uh, stick to football. Stick to football. Stick to football. Come on. But uh, obviously, it's uh, you know we're not sticking to football in it. There may be some football uh, that starts the conversation, but we're going to dig deeper into some other things that we enjoy talking about. We both. Uh, are not just football dudes that do, do football all the time, and there's other things around and in the world that, that are interest to us. So um, to start out with, we are happy to say that the Big Ray and Bumpus Show is being brought to you by Guild Mortgage. With over five decades of experience in providing loans, service, and expertise to home buyers, Guild Mortgage upholds an enduring presence in the lending community. By strategically meeting the ups and downs of the real estate and financial markets, Guild has remained steadfast in its mission to provide affordable home financing, unsurpassed service, and a dedicated workforce to meet our customers' needs. Guild Mortgage, started by one, built by many. All right, let's get started, Big Mike. So we both spent the whole year doing the pregame and the postgame show and the halftime show uh, with the Seahawks. We've, We've watched a lot of film. We... Went to a lot of games. You actually got to go to the playoff game in Dallas. Bittersweet. I was on the road, so I feel like I jinxed them by not being there. But um, what are what are some things that you saw with the Seahawks this this season? Like some just some themes that, that when you think back over the season, what are some of the first things that just pop in your mind? Well, obviously the run game, right? Um, I go back to those first two games. You come out zero and two. Lose to the Broncos on the road in Denver, and then we go to Chicago. And at the time, we didn't think Chicago was a very good team. Jokes on us. That's the beauty of football. Every (laughs) week changes. Um, And I I go back and I look at those stats. Um, We rushed for 74 yards against the Broncos. We only had 16 attempts. Um, Against the Bears, we rushed for, excuse me, rushed for 64 against the Broncos with 16 attempts. Against the Bears, we rushed 22 times for 74 yards. And I remember the frustration, right? I mean, we go in, got a new offensive coordinator, Pete Carroll saying we're going to run the ball. And I remember at the beginning of the season, all of us is being really frustrated. Mm-hmm. Like, just, 
just give it a chance, stick to it, and, and do what you said you were going to do. Right. And I feel like the whole Northwest kind of felt that way. Um, so initially, I just think about the run game. Uh, the run game and then Tyler Lockett. I think he was a big surprise to the nation, not necessarily to us because we knew he had that talent, but then he gets that huge contract. People are like, why the hell did they sign Tyler Lockett right. to this contract? Doug Baldwin gets hurt, and he's allowed to shine. Um, the third week, we beat Dallas. Rushed for over 100 yards, and then from then, uh, we kind of uh, solidified ourselves as a run team, and Tyler Lockett continued to ball out throughout the season. Well, let's, I just want to rewind with you for just a little bit. Be, being an offensive lineman, and all offseason, you're hearing about, like, man, we're going to get back to doing what we do. We're going to be physical. We're going to be aggressive. They, they bring in J.R. Sweezy, and they bring in D.J. Fluker, like just these – Big freaking monsters! Like that, their technique isn't the greatest, but they're like street fighters. Yeah. And I'm so I'm thinking to myself, like, man, we got Dwayne Brown, we got these two cats. You know, uh, uh, Britt is you know is physical and aggressive in his own right. And then I, I really felt like this was a a mode that was going to fit a fatty better. Man, that Chicago game came around, <laughs> bro. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, like I'm not even gonna lie. Like was sitting there watching that game. Like I I wanted to jump. Through the screen because yeah. that, I don't know if you remember there was a stretch in that game where they went like 18 minutes or something like that where they did not run, run the, the ball. ball. Yeah. But then they're saying they're committed to the run that they're gonna. And and I remember you know one of our colleagues on the show you know we got into this argument about what does it mean to commit to the run mm-hmm. and it's like well you can't run on third and and nine well sure you can yeah. like absolutely you can like it but you know you can't just get afraid of it because you got one or two yards on See, that's that old first, line oh dude like, nine, we ain't running that ball right <laughs> 39 unless we're just dude, trying to kill the clock or something i'm just saying like if you're <laughs> if you're trying to create the mindset of if, if i'm an offensive lineman you're and you're telling me like Man, I want you to go out there and be physical and aggressive. You can't do that in the passing game, bro. No, you can't. You 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 cannot you cannot lay hands on folks in the passing game. Mm-hmm. It's 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 more of a, a reactionary movement. Whereas the running game, you get to dictate what you're, happens. You're and so exactly. And yeah. so when you start talking about leading up to those games and leading up to the season and all these different guys you that we brought into the locker room that that's supposed to be that's supposed to exemplify and embody like physical play Chris Carson, the way he runs, like all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden it was just like, where did that go? Like, yeah. you know, like, like it was like, I wanted to go to Pete Carroll and like hold him to the fire and be like, dude, mm-hmm. you said mm-hmm. this was going to happen. You no, know, it was a, it was the beginning of the season and Shoddy and, and Pete were trying to fill each other out. I remember hearing Shoddy saying that, or actually Pete said that he might've sent mixed signals to Shoddy. Because he, yeah. he start running the ball, and then people come in, hey, hey, throw that thing. You know what I'm saying? And if your general, your head coach is telling you to throw it, then you'll be inclined to throw a little bit. I think those first two games, it was rough. Yeah. It was rough to watch. But I also think that they're filling each other out. Yeah. You know, they're doing that little dance. And then by week three, we'll be going seven, eight weeks in a row to where we rush for over 150. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So maybe it sucks to go 0-2, but maybe we needed that 0-2. You know, to, to really make us sit down and be like, what team do we want to be? And maybe that allowed Shoddy or Pete to allow Shoddy just to be you. Look, I want to run the ball. Now go be you. That's and I'm true. not going to whisper in your ear every now and then. Yeah. Day. Well, you know I, I, mean? I will I will say, though, that, uh, you know, when you, know, you you talked about the offensive line, the running game, and Tyler Lockett, like, exploded onto the scene. Uh, man, I was, I was not feeling great about the running game at that point. Mm-hmm. However... Uh, I think the strong 
willed players you have on the offensive line and DJ Fluker and Dwayne Brown who were vocal enough to go to the sideline and be like, hey, yeah. let's give the ball to number 32 and run the ball. I think that has something to do with it too because uh, you could see as the season went on, if they didn't run the ball in a certain situation, you could see the you could see not just the not just frustrated and being angry, but you could see the desire yeah. uh, in the body language of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. That, man, we really wanted to we wanted that in our hands. We wanted to go do that, and that is a total mind shift from what it was here, mm-hmm. you know, the year before. Because the year before, man, it was just like you didn't know what was going. You didn't know who was yeah. going to play, who could play, who couldn't play. It's, if the running backs were good or not good, yeah. like it, it was, yeah. it was really hard. But, it, but I will say when I think about the season, I think about the transformation from those two games to where they, to where they ended up. Like, exactly. like Pete Carroll does not get the credibility that he deserves as a, as a coach, as, as it relates to being a coach of the year candidate mm-hmm. and stuff. But you had a, a team that was dead in the water, after two games, Russell had been sacked, I don't know, like six times a game or something like that. It was, it was ridiculous. The offense was going nowhere. The defense was creating some turnovers and, and, and had some things working for him, but the offense was not supporting the defense at all. And well, then, the defense was balling early. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the switch got changed, the commitment to the running game, the effectiveness of the running game, the reemergence of, of uh, Chris Carson, it it – Felt like the beast mode years again on offense, and so so when I think of the Seahawks, I, I think of more so the transformation from being dead in the water to being legitimate, like uh, you know, playoff contenders making it to the playoffs with a chance to even get to the big show. Uh, and then the other thing is is the uh, is the youth on defense. Lots of like I, I remember at the beginning of the season. To me, I was like, man, all this newness is awesome because it brings a new energy. It brings new excitement. It brings opportunity. It brings, you know, a chance for other people to kind of step up and get it done because that's what the Legion of Boom did. A lot of those guys were getting a chance to step up and do it. And so it was exciting for me to see these guys. And then I think as the season went on, to see, you know, Trey Flowers get better, Mm -hmm. to see uh, the – the. the emergence of uh, Reed in the middle rushing the quarterback mm-hmm. to see Frank be able to, to handle Ben, the primary pass rusher. Like I mean, I that, all that stuff was good stuff for me. Frank Clark is the identity of that defense. I feel yeah. like Bobby Wagner is clearly the leader of that defense. He's one of the leaders in the locker room, but Frank Clark brought that attitude and that swag. I mean, I've never seen so much dancing pre-snap um, that I've ever seen this year. But when, you know, it gives me chills. When I see a defense out yeah. there and the music's playing, and they're all vibing with each other, and it's, and it's third and three, and they feel like they believe they can make these plays. And they mm-hmm. believe they can make these plays with a rookie corner out there. Yeah. At one time, a rookie safety out there. Um, KJ's hurt. You know, we bring in uh, Kendricks to try to fill some holes. Uh, Griffin started at the LB spot. <laughs> you know, there, were, there was so much movement in that defense, the anchor of it was Frank Clark, and especially coming off of his pass, that was good to see. So when I think about the Seahawks' season defensively, um, you got to think about Bobby Wax. He's a pro bowler. But what shines to me is Frank Clark and just the imprint he had on that defense and how different he was this year as opposed to last year. Last year, he was kind of like a guy you had to keep your eye on and, mm-hmm. and had to be careful around, not to rub him the wrong way. And, and this year, it was like he, he's just bought in. And like you said, that's Pete Carroll, man. Pete Carroll, you know, you start to make that left, he'll grab me and say, hold on, let's make this right. You know, let's yeah. make this right together. Yeah. And that's that's what I saw. And this this is a resilient group, man. 0-2. What was the percentage? Like 11% of teams that start off 0-2, right. make it to the playoffs. playoffs. Yeah. And, 
And at some point, at one point, we're like, there's no way this team isn't making it to the playoffs. They won 10 games. They were 10 and 6 with three rookies starting on, on defense at one time. Doug Baldwin's out. Um, Penny was hurt at one time. Carson was banged up at one time. Uh, so when I think of this season, um, I always go to that 0 2 start. And that's the foundation to just show how just resilient this team was in the end. And little Tyler Lockett. I'm a receiver. So, you know. And he's about my size, man. And he wore the same number I wore when I was there. Oh, for real? Yeah. So, I'm like, you know what? Lockett all day going up top on these cats. It was a a hell of a season. The the thing with Lockett to me, man, the dude looks like he's 12. And it's like sometimes I see him do interviews and I'm just like, dude, you're too young to play. Like, you're too young to – why, how are you catching footballs like this over grown men? Grown but then man. you forget that he's a grown man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he's earned, you know, every, everything he got. Let me, this is an interesting question I wanted to ask you. Is there's, to me, there's two different types of leaders on the Seahawks team. Mm-hmm. So on offense, you have Russell Wilson, who is kind of like a professional leader. Yeah. You know, he's going to say the right things. Mm-hmm. He's going to do the right things. He's going to thank all the right people, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then, uh, and then you have someone like, like a DJ Fluker that has just a little bit more attitude and sting to what he says. He's a little, he, he can be funny, you know that that kind of that kind of thing. But he kind of just calls it like it is, like mm-hmm. he's just a straight shooter. You know what I'm saying? And then on defense, Bobby Wagner is kind of like the professional leader. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But then. Frank Clark is kind of like that, the dude that brings a little bit of swag to it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And so. Uh-huh. Do you? How do you think that the the locker room responds to to that? Because it's all leadership. Mm-hmm. It's just that one they have different approaches to it. Yeah. And then, like you just said, like a lot of people think, hey, Bobby Wagner is the leader of the defense. Mm-hmm. But you're saying that man Frank Clark sets the tempo, like with the with the yeah. mostly with just his his attitude and his swag and his bigness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his his uh, uh, emotional kind of a dude and his dancing and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. How, how do you think the locker room? I think having multiple styles of leadership is best for the locker room because everybody ain't going to connect with Russell Wilson. If mm-hmm. everyone connected with Russell Wilson in this country, he would have been a pro bowler off top. There would have been no doubt about it. Um, so you have dudes who are professional, you know, who, who relate to that style, that lifestyle, that approach way more than, you know, the, the aggressive, mm-hmm. loud type. So, you know, I think, in my opinion, the more different styles of leadership you have, the better. Because this is football, man. You got mm-hmm. 53 dudes. At some point in that locker room, there's 90 guys. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know what right, I mean? right. 40 of y'all leaving. But at one point, there was 90 of them in there. Yeah. And you got to be able to connect with everybody. Mm-hmm. And you don't want your leaders to not be themselves. You don't want Russell to all of a sudden be all hard and yeah. be dancing and stuff. Right. That, that's not his style. You know? yeah. he, and then he'll come up off his fake a little bit. They already question him. Right. You know? Then he started being something else. So I think I think it's good for a locker room. You yeah. know, I think variety is always good. Cause this is football. You know, you'll have a guy from Texas, Florida, North Carolina, Canada at times. You got all these different type of dudes in one room. They're all not going to think the same. They're all not going to respond the same and stuff. So it's important to have different styles of leadership. What what was your leadership style? Because you were you were a captain over there in Detroit. Yeah. So you know, people looked at you for answers and uh, stuff. Well, I'm glad that you pointed out like. Because it reminds me of, like, growing up, like, in, in the neighborhood I grew up in. There were there were dudes, right, that you had a lot of respect for, and they had, like, this higher level of 
like respect and and the way they went about the work, the way they were a parent, the way they you know was a husband, those kind of things. And so there were conversations. There were times when you felt really connected to that. Yeah. But then sometimes I'm not gonna lie, man. There's some of the dudes that are just like in the street and maybe not always doing the right thing, but they had a lot of truth to tell you too. Uh-huh. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so and so if you want to call it keeping it real or whatever it is, there were there were times to go talk to those guys too. You know what I'm saying? And so it's important. For, for people to know that the locker room can have more than one leadership style. The, the way I like to lead is from the from behind. Like, I, I like to understand where people are trying to go, uh, get to know them and understand how I can speak into their lives mm-hmm. that way or speak into their ability that way or speak into them being connected to the team uh, that way. That's the way I always try to do it. And so – uh, I would go sit with the defensive backs or with the young young players. I'd go sit with the linebackers. I'd sit with the running backs. Mm-hmm. I'd sit with the quarterbacks. Uh, and it wasn't because I was campaigning. That's just kind of my nature. Like, yeah. I just I love to talk. I love to meet a lot of different people. And so that's kind of the way I led. And so uh, and I didn't say a whole lot until there was a, until there was a lot to be said. And so I wasn't just going to get up and talk just to talk so mm-hmm. everyone would go like, hey, you're the team captain. You do all the talking. Like, no, I'm, when, when there's something needs to be said – I'll say it. Otherwise, let's strap it on and go play some football. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not rocket science. Let's yeah. just let's just go out here and do it. The funny thing though is in Detroit, uh, Barry Sanders and I were the team captains, and so every time they wanted us to have a team meeting, I'd have to go to Barry and be like, "Hey, man, like wh- what we're we gonna do?" He'd be like, "Hey, you just do whatever whatever you want to say." I'm like, "Dude, you're the future Hall of Famer. Like, <laughs> they're not gonna listen to me. The they're like, they're gonna hear what you want to say." And so every time, whether Barry said it or not, I would get up and start the whole meeting with, "Hey." This is what Barry wanted you guys to know. And so, <laughs> I would put, oh, Barry said? I would, put, hey. I would co-sign Barry every single time. Because I'm like, if I just Was get he up, in the room when you said yes, it too? Yeah. Yeah, because like, I'm like, man, they're not going to listen to me. Like, they're going to listen to Barry. But the few times that Barry would talk, um, you know, sometimes it wasn't real clear what he was saying. And, like, Herman Moore and these guys would always get up and joke and be like, hey, Ray, can you interpret for us? You know, and stuff <laughs> like that. But, uh, but, uh, but no, I, I really did enjoy uh, being a captain on the team because I always felt like it was uh, important for everybody to feel like they were a part of it. Even, you know, if they were the kicker, the holder, the punter, even though I give them a hard time, all that kind of stuff, whether you're the long snapper, the third team tight end, or the second team defensive back, like everyone, the more people feel connected to what you're doing, the better chance you have of succeeding, and the better chance you have to to be a uh, when you have to kind of be in their face, they kind of are in a place to receive it because yeah. they know that that you care it's, it's about from a good place. Yeah, you, exactly. You put in the time to get to know them and have those moments when it's when. Shit gets real, right? And you got to call a brother out. Yeah, you know he can receive it and know that it's coming from. Yeah, and we had we there. had some knuckleheads in our locker room in Detroit. So mm-hmm. sometimes I had to do home visits. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Knocking on the door. Oh yeah, huh? oh yeah. Because I'm like, come on, man. Like we don't, we just don't need that mm-hmm. type of stuff. You know, we had some dudes that kind of uh, got it. You know, like DUI kind of stuff, and yeah. it was just like, okay, you make enough money at the time. A limousine was fifty bucks an hour. Go get the limousine, dude. Please. You can find many dudes that you can hire to drive for you, but let's not duplicate that one again. Yeah. You know, after like a couple different times. So, uh, but and then some of that was too, not just team stuff; it was just people stuff. You know, you care about them. Mm-hmm. You want you make sure that the dude is headed in the right direction. You know, with his life. And then so, uh, and so I would I would I would make house calls, dude. I would ring the doorbell, knock on the door, like, yeah, it's me. Let's have a talk. Yeah, we need to figure this out. Chop this up. Yeah. And then, and I, you know, I offer whatever help I can, you know, give to them. I don't say, like, hey, 
we need to figure this out and then you just do it on your own. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I was, I tried to go, you know, help them in those situations, but we got a little long winded in that conversation just because I liked it though. Yeah. I, I, I liked the, the feel of that one. That was legit stuff right there. Probably. Yeah, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was. But, uh, so just to wrap up our overview of the Seahawks, Big Mike felt like, um, Tyler Lockett, the emergence of Tyler Lockett signing a big deal, and and then improving, and then proving that he's up. worthy. Backed it up. They were hating on you, Lockett. Yeah, exactly. And, and I was thinking to myself, like, okay, maybe. Uh, and then, uh, <laughs> and then the the emergence of the offensive line in the running game. I yeah. think. I mean, to me, there was no bigger story. I mean, Russell had a great season, all that kind of stuff, yeah. st- statistically, and 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 what he does a touchdown to pass, uh, touchdown to interception ratio, like the 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 amount of touchdown passes he threw with the fewest attempts in the league and, you know, yeah. stuff like that was all great stuff. But I, I think that, uh, to me, like what you were saying, it kind of hits at the offensive line is that transformation from where we're stuck in the mud to being, like, flying into the into the playoffs. To and, being the standard of yeah. the run game. Yeah. You yeah. know, it was us and Baltimore and Dallas had a good run game. But end of the day, if you can run the ball, you have a chance to win football games. And I was, as I get older – I start to appreciate the run game a lot more, man, because I'm a receiver. I want to throw that ball around. But it was nice to see that. Not nice to see an 0-2 start, but to see them climb out of that and become what they said they were going to be. Yeah, well, that was a nice segue into our next uh, conversation here. We're going to do uh, come right back with an NFL overview. Yes, sir. So next up, Bumpus, my man, my Washington Cougar uh, alum. Go Cougs. Go Cougs. I, you know what? I actually threw a Go Cougs out on Twitter uh, on Friday, wow. on Thursday. Because it's a long story, but um, at one point, there was a, a radio station, I think it was maybe 710 ESPN. They did a like a, a NCAA bracket of all the different uh, announcers and um uh, all the different radio hosts. And so it came up between me and uh, Jim Moore. And I didn't know who Jim Moore was at the time. Uh-huh. I was driving into Seattle, and he was trying to make his case to why he should defeat me in this thing because they had to call in and vote. And he, and he started talking about how when I got drafted by the Seahawks, I was supposed to be the savior and all this other kind of stuff when we went 2-14. And it's your fault. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so obviously, like my antennas going, like, okay, who, who is this dude, and what is he about to say? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I had no idea what was gonna happen. And then, what, what do I get to say? Something, yeah, you know uh-huh. what I'm saying? And so, uh, and so he kept going, you know, about how the season went, and the, you know, that was okay. But then he made a comment about my record as a high school football coach uh, when I was coaching at Lake Washington. Oh, he, he made it personal. Because he talked about the kids. Don't talk about You know what I'm saying? Like, Ray love the kids. You can't. Like, <laughs> like honestly, I, I, wanted, I pulled over on the side of the road and was like, wait a minute. Like, this cat can't. Like, you, I, my shoulders are big enough to take. Oh, you you literally stopped your car yes. and pulled over just to hear what he had to say. Because you know, you, you, getting that hot. you know when they say you're at a fork in the road? Yeah. I was, at a, I was literally at a fork in the road. I could go to the right and head on down to the radio station. Uh-huh. Or I could stay to the left and go wherever it was I was going. Yeah. And so I had to pull over so I could, like, make an informed decision. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, Ray, like, 
you can either be on Sports Center tonight mm-hmm. or you can make it home tonight. You know, and so I was like, let me just stay to the left. And so, uh, and so there was this kind of friction between uh, myself and Jim for a while because I just didn't know who he was. I couldn't understand why he came at me like that. Yeah. His sense of humor is a little different. So the more I've known him, the more I understand, like, it wasn't something malicious yeah. that he was doing. He's and so, yeah, just poke. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, just giving a brother a hard time. And so uh, so the other day, I saw him down at the radio station, and I went to shake his hand. And you know me. I'm always hugging and grabbing. And, and so I, I went to, like, give him, like, a big hug, and he kind of, like, pulled away from me. And I was just like... <laughs> Like, come on, dude. Like, what's up? And then he kind of gave me a big hug. Was like, well, I thought you were still mad at me from blah blah blah. And I'm I like, gonna put those paws on. Yeah, him. We, right. Yeah, <laughs> he, he thought I was gonna I was gonna lay hands on him. And uh, but I was like, no, nah, bro. Like, I don't I don't carry the grudge like that, bro. Like, it's, the life is too short, and and you know, you never know who you're gonna meet. You never know when you're gonna have to come back around to that person, and have a conversation, or ask for help, or input, advice, what have you. And so I tweeted out to him uh, that that I had long moved past it, and at the end I put. Hashtag go Cougs because he's the he's the Coog dude you know and so so I've never in my life said hashtag go Cougs even though my high school mascot was a Cougar I've never said go Cougs well I bet you that was a great feeling going saying go Cougs you know you know the thing with me bump is like I like going in on people like I love like having intense conversations and and debates and things uh but I never really take it to the point where I'm gonna like just really like dislike you to the point where I can't have a conversation or I can't mm-hmm. give you a handshake or whatever. Like I get in some intense conversations on Twitter and stuff and it doesn't really bother me. Uh, I'm not, I'm not taking it personally, but, uh, but I like the conversation. And so I just, I just need a gem to know like, man, like don't even, cause sometimes people joke about something cause they're trying to fill it out. And I yeah. felt like he was still trying to fill it out, uh-huh. and I'm just like, Jim, I am so past it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we're 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 He's taking that temperature. Yeah, exactly. So this is gonna end up. Well, I wanted to just like the last segment, we just did this overview recap of the Seahawks. Uh, just you know, maybe take about three or four or five minutes for each of us to to pick a theme about the NFL season. Uh, that when when you look back, I know the the big game is tomorrow, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later and uh, give our our predictions and and our expectations of that game. But um, but just for the NFL season, what what is the one thing or the couple things or the player the one player a few players that really just kind of um, epitomize the season for you? Well, the thing that sticks out to me is the quarterback position. I think it is one. Tired of the quarterback position, QBs, bro. QBs, baby. Jeez. QBs make the world go round. You didn't know? Uh, I got to look at the quarterback position. We got Tom Brady, who's the GOAT. You don't think Tom Brady's the GOAT? I challenge you every day. I don't like the guy, but I respect him. I respect his greatness. Tom Brady's getting old. He's already old. What is he, 40 <laughs> Drew Brees is getting old. He's on, he's on his way out. Joe Flacco just got released. Ben, uh, not released, but he's not the quarterback of the future in, in Baltimore. Ben Roethlisberger is getting old. Phillip Rivers is getting old. All of the quarterbacks that I grew up from like college into, on to now, they're all on their way out. And you got guys like Mahomes coming in. Right. Uh, Trubisky had a, had a decent year. Lamar Jackson, who knows what he's going to do there. You got Baker Mayfield coming in. You got Sam Darnold down in uh, New Jersey. So there's like a transition period going on. And we say these names, we say the old heads, then we say the young heads, and there might be a change in the guard. But we still got Russell Wilson, who's still got 
four to six good years left in him. That I is true. Don't want I did not see you going the there. NFL to forget about this I man. did not see you he, going he's there, He's the bro. guy in the middle. He's the transition guy. He is. You know, like, let's pass the torch to him, and, and then we'll pass it to these young guys because these young guys get all this love, which they should. They're athletic. The quarterback position is changing. Um, there's not too many just straight-up pocket passes anymore. you got to be able to move at least a little bit. Um, but I just see the media focusing on, you know, that group that I just mentioned, the Brady's, the Breeze, the Vins, the Phillips moving out and trying to hand it over to these young cats. Well, we still got a cat who is in his prime right now. The NFL, it's the game's changing. The quarterback has become more important now than it's ever been. Let's just not forget about uh, Mr. Number 3, Russell Wilson. You know, it's interesting that you say that, Mike, because um... – I totally did not see you th- think that's where you were going with that. Uh, but it's interesting how wide open and how mobile quarterbacks have become, but you're still essentially in a championship game with two drop-back quarterbacks. That is true. That is true. You know what I'm saying? And But the league has been – is there's more and more of those – Mahomes types, mobile types, uh, you know, uh, Baker Mayfield, you know, who can move around. Russell Wilson. But the thing that that is interesting is that Ru- Russell is almost right smack in the middle because this year he's shown that he can climb the pocket mm-hmm. and deliver the, the ball down the field. Like as a matter of fact, like that at one point in the season he had that perfect quarterback ra- uh, rating, yeah. throwing the ball to to uh, tie the locket down the field, which is pretty incredible. But he's also the dude that can that can do all the running around stuff that Mahomes and all those guys have done. Like, and so uh, he 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 is like kind of like the perfect like transition, and he might get lost in transition. He might get lost. You know what I'm saying? You know, he he's the guy running the fast break. Outlet, outlet. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you hit somebody else, you going the other way. <laughs> Come on, exactly. give Russell the ball. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That that is that is a really interesting take on it uh, because I I sometimes feel like the NFL is so quick to jump on the shiny new object mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes Mayfield like all those guys uh uh Carson Wentz all that um that it kind of overshadows just the the steady the the steady to great player like you can almost compare it to some of those dudes you could almost think that Russell Wilson is boring but he's not mm-hmm. he is he was those dudes before they were those dudes you know the running around making plays out of the pocket all that kind of stuff the way he could just You'll be on the fly and throw the ball back across the field, right on the money, and know right where someone is, spinning around, all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, but yeah, like it, like totally didn't think about it that way. But the the thing that that I'm frustrated, man, I'm just tired of it being a quarterback league, bro. I'm tired of that. Like I'm just tired of it, man. Like it's Hold like on, uh, like, like who decided who who at at one point point during the NFL history did someone say like the quarterback has to be the most important. Player. I mean, you had he dudes. touches the ball every play. Yeah, but he can the hand guy, it off. He can hand it off. Still, he can. He still has to receive the hike, turn around, hand. Even if he's handing the ball off, he's the guy touching the ball, guaranteed every single play, unless there's some wildcat stuff. I get it, man. I, I I I want to argue somehow that it shouldn't just be the quarterback all the time. And uh, like one of the things I was thinking about is I think there's like there's a lot of hype about this Tom Brady. In the Super Bowl against Jared Goff and first year, not all these times that Tom has been, but it's like the Patri- the Patriots have like thirty something dudes that have won Super Bowls. Yeah, and and so like they matter too, you know what I'm saying? So this is not like the Tom Brady with all the experience and the other team with no experience. It's like your whole team 
just has the but experience it's, it's winning those like, games. It's more like Tom Brady, who's still slaying. It's the a rock, common denominator. But name one of Tom Brady's receivers other than Edelman. I, I, you know what? God, that's an argument for another day. Because <laughs> like that that argument always kills me because just because they're not like um, household names doesn't mean that they're not effective football players, especially no, they're when... they're still ball players. But yeah. And, and, he ain't throwing his own superstars over there. Well, well no, but they're, they're throwing them... They're, he's throwing it to some players that have mastered what they can do. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then, the, and then the, this is, to me, what makes the, the Patriots different than even the Seahawks, is that the if you're a slot receiver in college and you have been killing it at the slot receiver in college, the Patriots don't bring you and then say, hey, we want you to play out wide. They go like you just keep doing what you were doing, because if you if you if you're good at that, you're gonna then you're just gonna get better at no, that. The Patriots say, "Hey, you were a quarterback in college. Okay, come play the slot. <laughs> oh, you play lacrosse, Hogan. Okay, come play receiver." So that speaks to you're right. They find guys that fit fit right what they're trying right to what do. They're trying to do. But yeah. imagine if Tom Brady had cooks. You know what I mean? Imagine if he had Woods. Imagine if he had the receiving core that the Rams have right now. Like, could you could you imagine how explosive that offense would be? All right, we're gonna stop talking about quarterbacks. Because you're really making me angry, Mike. Like, you're a guest in my home right now. <laughs> hey, oh, let me that. It's all about the O line, okay? Let me O line. Yeah, up. yeah. You it's better, not football you better, without O line. Because of everyone on that entire team this year, the one position group that's been overlooked is their offensive line. Yeah, the dude has only been sacked what twice in the playoffs or whatever, something like that. Like he in in the in the the down the stretch in overtime against um, Chiefs, they didn't even come close to him, and that, and so people just and and they're running the ball well, so they just kind of over overlook the. We gotta the start line. our hashtag for old line guys, man. Some O W U A. That's what I used to say. O W U A. Overworked, underappreciated. I like that. That's that's what we that's that's, that's who we are. Uh, so no, I, I get you, man. Like the, this this whole quarterback thing is pretty incredible. That you have these really young dudes that are coming in that looks like a pretty you know good class. Uh, with the with the the rookie class, you got to throw Trubisky in there. Like he had a good year, made yeah. it to the Pro Bowl as an alternate, and then obviously Mahomes just set the world on fire. And then you still have Carson Wentz, who's going to come back and hopefully be mm-hmm. healthy. Jared Goff, you know, is in the Super Bowl, so there's a lot of it's, it is an interesting transition, like of these really like really old in the teeth, like age wise yeah. old dudes yeah. that are still slinging it. And then you have this whole new group of, like, these new jacks that are coming in and playing it. Do you realize Tom Brady is old enough to be my dad? <laughs> and he's still playing. I'm just playing. He's not old enough to be my dad. <laughs> <laughs> that joke old enough, though. And, uh, but I, what is it? He's, like, half his career or something? He's been in the Super Bowl? He's uh, 17 years. He's been in the conference championship game four, 13 or 14 times. And how many, this will be his will ninth be his Super Bowl? Ninth Super Bowl. Yeah, so like roughly half of his career. That's ridiculous. ridiculous. I've never, I haven't even beaten my son in video games that much. This dude is doing <laughs> it on a nat, and the toughest, I, I think the toughest league to win games in right. is the National Football League. And him and Belichick, man, and, and the guys around him, but I mean, you don't win that without those two dudes. Without, you know, yeah. Belichick. Yeah, I feel you, man. I, Y'all I, gonna lose on Sunday. <laughs> but, you know, we'll we're gonna we're gonna cover some of our Super Bowl um, uh, overview, review, preview. I guess you want to call that in just a little bit, and we're gonna uh, you know talk about what we think is 
going to happen, what both teams need to do to win, and then we'll make a we'll make our pick as to see who as to see who wins. Um, so then I, I will say to you that my theme of the NFL season or my is that the offensive line against the backdrop of these wide open offenses. So Kansas City, you know, Philadelphia, uh, New Orleans, uh, the Rams, just throwing the ball all over the place, making you know, big, huge highlights and unbelievable numbers, which are just incredible. But man, when it comes down to uh, what wins the championships, every playoff game that was won was won by the team that dominated the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And so you can put all these bells and whistles around uh, the foundation of football, but at the end of the day, uh, if you can't win the line of scrimmage, it doesn't matter how much you can sling. It doesn't. You can have three Patrick Mahomes back there running reverses and doing the Philly special and everything, and you will not. You're not going to win the championship because all the, like if you look at the um, the uh, Rams. People, they, they ran the ball well, but they also started defending the run mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So, like, coming, they started dominating the line of scrimmage that way. I think they only allowed, like, maybe 40 yards per game rushing in the playoffs so far and down the stretch. And Dominican Sue has kind of been and wait, uh, woken up by this opportunity to be a champion. And so he's playing a lot better. If you look at the, like, we just talked about the Patriots. Um, was it D Ford and, and Houston for uh, the Chiefs mm-hmm. coming off the edge? Man, they weren't even getting close to, to Tom Brady. He was able to sit back there third and ten, and was it three times? They yeah. converted three third and tens in a row where they tried to just rush four guys. Uh, and so their offensive line won that thing. And then their running back, I think it was their um, – uh, what's their offensive coordinator's name? Josh McDaniels. McDaniels gave credit to Sony Michelle for bringing this kind of physicality to their offense, like the, his physical style of running and how that awoken, uh, awakened the uh, – the offensive line. So if you look at all those different games, when we when we played the Cowboys, the Cowboys won the offensive the, the line of scrimmage. Yes, you know, they, they, did. they shut Carson down, they shut our running game down, and then Zeke was getting you know getting his. And so it still comes down at the end of the day to you know defense wins championships or whatever you want to call that. To get to the championship, you better be able to dominate the line of scrimmage it, at the end of the day. So it? so it still comes back to not your pretty little boys Running around throwing the ball, getting all the commercials Slanging and suit, all that kind of. It comes the snot bubble dudes. It always does. It comes back to the snot it bubble dudes. Does. You know, and, and and to further your point there, Big Ray. Overtime, Patriots win the coin, the coin toss. Brady gets the ball. We know he's marching down. What play wins it for him? It's a good old dive up the gut. <laughs> exactly. So I feel you, man. In the day, you got to be able to run the ball. Um, but imagine if. Imagine if Tom Brady couldn't throw the ball. I mean, you can't just win on around the ball. You, no, no, no. You no, got to be able no, to sprinkle right. it in. Yeah, yeah. But what you're saying is the run is is the the the, the final factor. Like, look, if you got all these, you're you're good on third down. Your completion rate is up. If you're not able to average about four yards of carry, yeah, um, you're gonna have a tough night. Yeah, I mean, because just say in the same sense that. You can't just run it. You can't just throw it either. So, like, even with these wide-open offenses yeah. throwing the ball all over the place, mm-hmm. when it came down to the to the, the, the game that really counted and they lost the line of scrimmage, they lost the game. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't matter if Mahomes was back there or, 
or you know all these other you know big time quarterbacks. I mean, you look at the Rams; they benched Gurley because he wasn't getting it done. Right. Put C.J. Anderson in because they know he's going to get north and south. Yep. And get it done. And you look at the Rams' offense; it's all predicated on that jet sweep mm-hmm. and in outside zones. They want they want to spread you out. So again, to further your point, there, Ray. Well, I'm just I just I didn't want to say it. 20 more times, but but I was up for saying it 19 more 19, times, yeah. that uh, that those big snot bubble, like, hog, like, back in the day, the yeah, watching Redskin right. hogs, yeah. like, they, they matter, dude, and you can't, it doesn't matter what innovation you bring, how young the quarterback is, and how deep his coaching tree is, all that kind of stuff, if you cannot, uh, if you don't have an offensive line coach that can effectively Coach mm-hmm. the talent that you have, and then have the players that can execute that. So, then you're then you're not you're not going anywhere. So, so why aren't we getting all these O line coaches uh, as potential head coaches? And why are we getting these quarterbacks and receive you know because they perimeter get, type guys are getting all these jobs? So if if we go off of what we're talking about, O line coaches should be the the sexy hire <laughs> in the NFL. You know what? Like it would be great if we were. However, I just don't think that's the mentality of offensive line coaches. They don't tend to want to be that dude out front like that because then you're not really been able to be intimate and, and, and intricate with the with the offensive line when they come off. Now you have to hire another offensive line coach to do it. You yep. know, so you're not attached to them, attached to them that way. And then just the whole way that people hire head coaches in the NFL, you have to have been some type of coordinator like a play caller or something yeah. or or at least touch shoulders with the, the play caller so that you can get an opportunity to be a head coach so I, I think offensive line coaches get overlooked for that uh, because of that so um but so just to just to review uh bumpus was all into the uh the old men the transition brady and uh and breeze, breeze and roethlisberger and and uh rivers rivers and this kind of changing of the guard, kind of new Jack uh, quarterbacks coming in, and Mahomes and Mayfield and Trubisky and Golf and those guys. So that that and then having Russell sitting right in the middle of it, and then for myself, uh, this idea that uh, fundamental football is still important. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how many jet sweeps and ball fakes and things you do, that you still have to be able to block someone and run the ball, or you have to be able to defend, you know, get off a block and defend the run. And so uh, the teams that that won that trench battle. And the playoffs are the teams that advance, and those are the teams that are in the Super Bowl. So uh, we're going to step away, and then we'll be right back, and we're going to uh, maybe address uh, some of the, the the activities that led up to the Super Bowl, specifically the no-call in the Saints game. And then uh, we'll get to our Super Bowl picks and overview re- preview of the, of the Super Bowl coming right back. The show this week is brought to you by Guild Mortgage. Go to guildmortgage.com to find your loan officer today. Guild Mortgage, started by one, built by many. So we're back, and uh, once again, we want to thank Guild Mortgage for sponsoring our, our show today. Um, it was great of them to just jump on without even even hearing us do anything and just been willing to... It's a trust fall. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> hey, it was one of those good ones, and I, I really appreciate it. So... It's, tomorrow is a big game, and a couple weeks ago there were uh, the, the, the NFC and AFC championship games, and in the Saints and Rams game, which was building up to be a, a spectacular game, the Rams started out kind of looked like they didn't know what they were doing, deer and headlights, the helmet system wasn't working, the, uh, McVay was looking like he was just shocked to death on the sideline, and, and they just couldn't get anything done. At, at one point, the left tackle – stood in front of the guard 
and was trying to explain to him what the play call was. And so like, they just looked totally discombobulated. But they fought themselves uh, back into the game. And then a crucial play uh, near the end of the game where, where um, uh, there was a no call on a pass interference uh, down the field, which was clearly a, a, a pass interference call. And we're not here to debate whether that was or wasn't. But what I do want to know is what are your thoughts on, first of all, how – the, the commissioner responded. Should he have responded sooner, earlier, like, and and then what he did respond with, and then secondly, what do you, how do you think the the, the league should respond to it? First off, Goodell should have put out a statement as soon as that game was over. Really, that is one of the biggest blown calls that I can remember in all of my years of watching sports. What was the statement going to help? It, statement just to acknowledge that they got it wrong. Right. Instead, instead, the public sitting there like they, they, they like, replayed it from like fifteen yeah, different no, angles. You, did, 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 you, you didn't need Goodell to tell you that it, no, that they got it wrong because Goodell, Goodell walks around like he ain't got an answer to nobody. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like he's just he's untouchable, which he probably is. He gets paid a lot. It's the greatest league in the, in, in in the country. But just to appease your fan base, let them know, hey, I sympathize with you. I understand. We got this wrong. Man, and I the big old softies, it. dude. Man, he got to draw a box of so, cotton. So you like you you like the non-response. Man, it didn't bother me one way or the other, man. Like, whether he said something or didn't say anything, it wasn't going to change the outcome. It wasn't going to change how you it? even felt about it. Yeah, it, it would. It would. No, no. It would. It would so if you do breeze. And, the, and Goodell See, I, came I, out the next day and said, <laughs> like, oh, man, that was pass interference, and they missed it. You're going to be like, oh, whew. See, no, man, not, I can get into the offseason now. I'm not thinking uh, in the sense of Drew Brees. I'm thinking in the sense of just your everyday NFL watcher consumer <laughs> of this product they put out on the field. Put me at ease. You know what? I'm thinking about New Orleans. Right. All right? Imagine all the anger. I'm surprised it wasn't right in New Orleans that night. Right, put that fan base at ease and sympathize with them, so they feel at least like they're being acknowledged, and you 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 realize that you got it messed up. Instead, you know, ninety percent of the country care less about the Rams right. or, or the Saints go, but at least New Orleans, who has one of the greatest fan bases of all time, um, just put them at ease, man. Lay lay them down on the pillow softly. And let them have you know a, you know what I think Mike night, night I, I feel like our culture has become so like um, where you have to have something to beef at that they made that something bigger than it needed to be there's nothing he was gonna be able to say that was gonna make you change because I think a lot of people were, were looking for him were looking for him to say to do something about it. And not just acknowledge it. They thought that he's going to come out with some grand. There's nothing you can do about it. Right? it. It is what it is. All right, so if so, someone cuts you off, right, and they almost, <laughs> they almost hit you, and they, and they don't throw the, the hand up like, hey, my bad. <laughs> my bad. You know, they don't do nothing. They don't acknowledge that they almost ran into your caddy. Right. right? You're mad. But if, if they if they throw it up, you might be mad, but you're not as mad. Like, hey, at least you acknowledge you effed up. Thank you. I'm going to move on with my day. Man, like, why'd you have to pull that one out? Huh? Why, why you have to? Why you have to? My, my caddy had nothing to do with this. Like, I mean, it's parked outside. It's sitting by. It's, it's cool. It's hey, it, you know because the caddy's clean. Yeah, if it someone is. almost hit that caddy. I'd be believe. So that makes better sense to me then, okay. right? If if Goodell just threw up the hand, he threw the hand. Up. I got you. That, I, I I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> so so what do you what do you think? Like in my opinion, I, this idea around um, trying to make 
all the judgment calls reviewable. Uh, to me, it just opens up a whole nother can of worms. Mm-hmm. Because let's say, uh, even um, uh, Bob Skelton, uh, Shelton at the uh, with the on seven ten ESPN said that you should get the same amount of challenges, but you should be able to challenge whatever it is you want to challenge. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that, to me, is if you're gonna challenge pass interference, and then let's say the the DB is is holding the receiver's arm or has his arm hooked or whatever, mm-hmm. and they review it and come back and say one. We didn't think that was pass interference. Then it becomes a debate over what is pass interference. Yeah. Now we have to have this whole catch rule thing again over, mm-hmm. like, well, what is pass interference and what is not? Mm-hmm. The coach thinks that is. The referees think that it, the lead thinks it isn't. So then you create that for – you create opportunities for that to happen again. Okay. You, you see what I'm I saying? So, so it opens up idea. another can of worms. Okay. And so – and then and then the, the last thing I was going to say is um, – uh, if if you uh, shoot, I forgot what I was gonna say. Go go back to what you're gonna say, so and I'll and I'll here, come back to here's it. Here's my idea. Okay, you can challenge whatever you want to challenge. Okay, but one, you cannot watch replay in slow motion, because slow motion. I mean, you can call uh, you can throw a flag every single play if you watch every position in slow motion. Right. And two, put a camera on the referee's hat and you have to watch your replay through that camera. So you're giving yourself the same perspective that you would have had during that play. I guess instead you. of all these angles you get in a stadium. You get all these angles in a stadium, it's almost impossible for these guys right. to uh I guess Well what if you're old like me and you can't turn your head that fast. And then then you miss it. You look at your camera, <laughs> yeah. I missed it. I simply I'm missed it. Missed you know, it. I'm not looking at a stationary camera yeah. a thousand feet above the ground that gets this perfect angle. You yeah. Know? Don't slow motion it and put cameras on their caps and let them look at their same perspective and see, I'm looking at this same play almost the same way. Am I going to change this call? Well, then what if what if this happens then? What if there's a flag called and the, the Michael Bumpus Bearcats challenge the, the Ray Roberts, uh, you know, super dupers <laughs> and, and say that was pass interference? And the, so they go review it and then they come back not pass interference. But then I throw the flag. Like, well, maybe it was pass interference on them. So 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 if you if you challenge it was pass interference mm-hmm. and they look at it and go like, well coach, it wasn't it wasn't defensive pass interference, but man, it was offensive pass interference. Mm-hmm. Then can they can they make the change? One challenge per <laughs> Hey, you gotta get it out first. You better get that flag out first. Gotta check you cannot hold that flag in your sock anymore because if this comes to light, you'll be late. Whoever throws the flag first, they get it. And now who throws the flag first? Now, which ref it, exactly. acknowledges it first? Yeah. Right? I, it's, you know, and just this conversation is getting too damn complicated. Exactly. That's just, what I was saying. Just deal with the call and Goodell throw up the hand when you cut somebody off. Exactly. Can, just give him the caddy hand, give man. The that's caddy. that's all we want. Yeah. It's just, that's hey, it. yeah, caddy hand yep. and we'll keep it moving. Exactly. You know, and so and that that's the thing that gets me is like in all the sports, football, basketball, baseball, uh, this idea of making it perfect is, you, you call me old-fashioned or whatever it is, but part of this playing sports is learning how to overcome adversity, how to yeah. accept it, how to overcome it, how to deal with it, all those kind of things. And it's almost like they're trying to uh, technology that out of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So all these different technologies and reviews and all these different things to 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 remove the adversity from it. So then it's just like it doesn't seem like it's the same sport that you grew up playing. So you know how, what I'm saying? How, okay, how about everything's reviewable the last minute of the game? Just the last minute, yeah. you get different review options because now it's getting crucial. Last minute of the game, 
you can challenge. But why is it that why is it every coach always says that the last play of the game is just as important as a, is no import more important than the first play of the game? They're lying. They just, <laughs> they just say that. It sounds good. Because it, it doesn't they, matter how you start. It's how you finish. <laughs> nah, it's how you start. It's how you play in the middle. Yeah. It's how you finish. Yeah. One play doesn't decide the game. Yeah, sometimes one play decides the yes, game. Yes, it does. I, I hate when coaches come out. One play doesn't. If it's a tie ball game and it's 30 to 15, that one play decides the game. <laughs> when we were in Dallas. And uh, Dak Prescott converted that third right. and 14. That, that one play decided, decided the game. game. Now, other things happened after that. Right. But you can pinpoint it. So, uh, I'm a believer in at some sometimes one play right. can decide the outcome. Yeah, myself and uh, Dave Wyman, I think, we always say this. Like, there's usually four to five to six plays in the game that really determine the game. Out mm-hmm. of, you know, how many ever, 60 offenses and 60 defensive plays, special teams. There's usually like five or six plays that really determine the whole game. So speaking of that, and so I, th- I think, you know, the, it'll be interesting to see what the league does around that. The league tends to sometimes overreact to things. Goodell kind of underreacted mm-hmm. uh, to that. Like there probably was a middle ground there somewhere. Uh, but uh, but there will uh, there will be more talks with this competition committee around judgment calls. And then, then you have to define what is a judgment call. <laughs> it's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, to me, it just opens up a whole other can of worms. And, and, and so just keep it like it was. Unfortunate it happened to them. But let's just, let's just get back to playing football and understanding that human error is part of it. Can you imagine all the bad calls that happened like in the 60s and 70s and stuff that people, you just, right. you just dealt with it? Yeah, you just, you just, just dealt with it. It was part of it. Like, you know, as a coach, you scream and yell for about two or three minutes, but then you won't just like, you want your players to move on past and get on past it so you can get to the next player, the next game, the next season, what have you. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what the NFL does with that. So um, once again, uh, our show is brought to you by Guild Mortgage. Uh, go to guildmortgage.com to find the loan officer today. Guild Mortgage started by one, built by, by many. Uh, we will come back uh, and we're going to do our Super Bowl preview and then make our picks uh, for tomorrow's game. Well, welcome back to the Big Ray and Bumpus show. We're excited that we were able to uh, finally get our ideas together, get our timing right, uh, to be able to to put this podcast together, something we've been wanting to do for a long time, and uh, we finally found time to do it, and uh, decided, you know, we're just going to jump on and go for it. Hope you guys like it. Uh, We're open to... Uh, you know, some critique, but not, you know, don't beat us down. We're just, we're just trying to get started with this thing. And like I said, it's going to be a combination of sports and sports topics and non-sports topics, depending on uh, how we put the program together that week. And so speaking of kind of sports, non-sports topic, um, you know, this week was leading up to the Super Bowl was media week. And then they have media day where all the teams come in and the players, they're all available to the media. And our guy Gronk, Gronk, had this to say at one of his um, uh, answer to one of his questions. And he said, uh, they were asking him about whether he's going to retire or not. And he said, you guys know what my favorite number is. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, She knows what I'm talking about. And he pointed to a female reporter. And uh, and what he was referring to was this number 69. I think his his comment was... um, you know, if you know what I'm talking about, six times nine or six plus nine. So the idea is that you understood that he was talking about the number 69. And he directed his comments and pointed to a female uh, reporter. And there was some pushback, not not a lot, but some. But you would think that 
in that situation, there would have been more. What are your thoughts on that, uh, Michael Bumpus? Um, I think if it were anyone else, this would be a story. I think the media has portrayed Gronk as just a party frat boy who can do no harm. And in the eyes of the public and the media and the majority, he's just a kid being a kid. But this ain't no kid. This is a grown-ass man. And I would like to believe if I were to be on the stage at Touchdown City before a Monday night game against the Vikings and I were to point out to a woman in the crowd and tell her, you know what I'm talking about, 69. I I mean, I might not have a job at the end of the day. Right. Uh, But for some reason, Grunt has a pass. Um, He's seen as a college boy. I want to say he's 30 years old. He's far from a college boy. Um, So he is just held to a different standard than a lot of the other athletes in the NFL. Yeah, well, you know, there's this there's this this wise man who once said that when you became a man, you put away childish things, and uh, and Gronk has never put away the childish things. Never, like during the all season, all the partying that he does, the, the things that he that he does, the you know taking his shirt off in clubs and all these different kinds of things, and it's always Gronk being Gronk, and so for me, it's difficult to receive because you you look at my man Cam Newton. Cam Newton can't even put a towel on his head without someone critiquing it. Mm-hmm. Cam Newton can't dress the way he wants to dress without someone saying that he's that he's trying to be something that he's not. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Cam Newton, you know, kind of giggled and pointed at a, at a female reporter and said, "Oh, she knows pass routes or whatever it was," and then had to then come back and uh, and make a huge apology for it. Have hasn't haven't heard anything. Like that for Rob Gronkowski, and and even for some of the things he's you know just the way he's kind of carried himself in the past. There's no other. Uh, I would put it this way: there's not a person of color in the NFL that can act like that and not get pushed back. Even you know it has some other things that are going on with it, but um, uh, man, the receiver's name just went out the top of my head. Uh, in New York, Odell Odell Beckham, uh, like. He's done some partying and stuff, and some there's been some questionable pictures. But in some of the other stuff, he just he had a week off or a few days off. He got on the boat. They went to they had a bunch of people went down, had some fun, and then and then he got like torn up about it. Whereas Gronkowski didn't have a week off and put put you on his party bus mm-hmm. and see all the drinking and the partying and everything that's going on. And it's like, oh look at this guy. He's just just Gronk being Gronk. But why can't Cam be Cam? Odell be Odell. Like you know, and, and this is where it gets uncomfortable for some people listening. Yeah, you know, because this is real. This is real stuff. Yeah, you know, when I when I leave the house, I think about things that a lot of my buddies don't have to think about right. when they leave the house. You know, when I Preach. when I get pulled over, I think about some things that a lot of my college buddies never think about. You got your registration. You got your license. You're good to go, you know. I I got I got pulled over uh, one late night in Monroe. Late night, it was like twelve. I was coming back from a uh, from a um, a coaches meeting, and the guy's walking up. He's got his hand on his gun. So what I do, I put my hands out the window. I'm like, look, hey, you know, oh, you don't have to do that. I'm like, yeah, your hand is on your gun, so I'm gonna put my hand out the window. One, I've never been arrested. I've never been in no kind of trouble. Um, but he doesn't know that about me. He mm-hmm. sees what he sees. And that's what I feel like allows Gronk to get away with something because he's just a frat boy. And Cam comes off as your, quote-unquote, this angry black dude. Right. You know? Um, so 
it's uh it's a reality even if people fail to to realize it it doesn't mean i hate my country or no, no, you know, nothing I, don't, like that. I don't like these people no i, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else i love right. washington i love the u.s right. my kids are here you know what i'm saying right like, um but it's a reality that you know things are different for some people yeah you know, women can talk crap about men all the time mm-hmm. how we better not say one thing about a woman <laughs> <laughs> right. over this it is. It is what it is. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make one person bad. But it's a reality. And well, the the thing I think that's interesting is that um, you know some people will say that th- this new movement of people that are calling out stuff like calling out sexual assault, the Me Too movement, calling out uh, police brutality with the players taking a knee, and with the with the guys here in Seattle that are uh, led by Doug Baldwin that's doing some of the bond reform stuff. Like, some people will look at that and go like, oh, look at you guys playing the victim, right? And I say to myself, like, being a victor means that you have gained the confidence and the, the wherewithal to be able to acknowledge what is going on, to be able to call it out. It doesn't mean that you're going, woe is me. You're just saying like, hey, like, this is what's happening and something needs to be done about it. It doesn't mean that I'm being a victim and I'm just like, oh, look at me. Look what happened to me. I can't mm-hmm. believe that happened to me. Like, oh, the world is just a terrible place. It's like, no, nah, like, like before, like I, I didn't, you may not have felt like you had the platform to say anything. You may, you may have felt like there was you know, too much pushback or there was too much for you to lose. Like, I'm like you, Mike. I, I got pulled over at least three times in, when I played in Detroit because the police officer wanted to know twice. The police officer wanted to know what type of work I did to afford the car I was driving. Mm-hmm. The, the the third time I was pulled over is because I was going through the back entrance into the neighborhood I lived in, mm-hmm. and the police officer pulled me over and was like, why are you cutting through here? And I'm like, well, you see that that door right there? I'm going to hit the garage door. Mm-hmm. You see the door open? That's where I live. And I still had to put my hands on the car. He frisked me and everything, even though I, I could prove to him that I lived in a house right there. Yeah. And so, so people sometimes... Uh, you know, whether you, you know, some of the terms get thrown around too much, just, you know, white privilege or whatever you want to call it. But there is a different way of moving through the world sometimes for, mm-hmm. for some people than others. And sometimes it's really prevalent, sometimes it's not. And sometimes there's, you know, like for me, I know that I, there's, I have access to stuff and I have a privilege that, that maybe some of my, of my other, of my peers don't have because mm-hmm. of the things I've accomplished, the people I have access to, the, the power that I know that I have. And I, and I understand that. But that doesn't mean that there aren't forces that also work against me the way that it works against some some other folks of color. And so, to me, this kind of speaks to that in a way uh, because it's kind of like you know, here's this guy just getting to be who he is and fully who he is, and you can embrace him, and you can even not embrace him, but but you're not like beating him up over it either, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas whereas a guy like Cam Newton, like. If you love him, you love him. But if you hate him, like you 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 take every opportunity there is yeah. to speak down to him, to speak down about his leadership, to speak down about and like the one thing like about his, even about his leadership, this dude answers the bell every single time. Mm-hmm. He plays hurt. He played hurt this year. Yep. He proves his. And he's, he takes on hits that other quarterbacks haven't taken on. And so people people I think misunderstand him. I talked to a friend of mine who's involved the organization back there, and they're just like, man, the narrative about him is, is so wrong. Like, he may have come into the league with a certain type of cockiness and arrogance, mm-hmm. but now, like, he like his teammates like him. He's a good leader. He does a lot of great stuff in the community. Even, even when the thing where he 
pulled through the twelve man flag. The way the the way the people around him mischaracterized that. Yeah. The dude is running around the stadium giving high fives to the to his fans like he always does. Yep. After the game, and then someone hands him a twelve man flag. Yeah, like, it's not guy. it's not like he reached up there and said, "Hey, give me that twelve man yeah. flag so I can wow. throw it down." As he was running, giving a high five, they handed it to him. So mm-hmm. yeah, we just beat you. I'm gonna throw it to the ground. Yeah. Like, what's the problem with that? This is competition. Yeah. What is it? What is he supposed to do? Gift wrap it to yeah, somebody? I'm sorry. Take like, what the hell? Is, yeah. Like, what the hell was and that here, all about? Here's the thing that's gonna crush any any of any a bunch of this stuff. If you were to ask me, who do you want to hang out with for the night, Gronk or Cam? I'm choosing Gronk. Even after all that being said, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I feel like I would have a better time with Gronk. Mm-hmm. Respect Cam, does what he does. Yeah. But just because he looks a certain way doesn't mean I automatically, right. you know, um, I'm, I gravitate towards him. Right. Gronk seems like a better time. If yeah. I have to pick, I'm going with Gronk. I'm just simply putting out there that they play by yeah. different Well, the, the thing is, this, Mike, is everyone has a bias. Everyone has biases. And when you start to try to deny that you have it or, or, or act like you don't have biases, uh, it, just, it just makes your truth harder to get to. And so even, you know, I have biases. And there's like these uh, little uh, bias tests you can take online. I do them all the time because I just want to know where, where the bias is in me. Yeah. Like, and, and then it, if it's something that's, you know, radical, like I, I try to work at trying to change. It doesn't, doesn't make me perfect because there's mm-hmm. always going to be another bias. Yep. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, so just recognizing that you have a bias or that your, that your mindset is a certain way, your perspective is a certain way. doesn't make you racist. No, it just, it, it doesn't just make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a bad person no. at all. And just because Cam Newton has a different style and a different way of doing things that's counter to what our culture says, doesn't make him a bad dude either. Cause mm-hmm. even, even our ideas around leadership, how we, carry ourselves in business media, shake hands, uh, etiquette, all this other kind of stuff is based on like a Anglo-Saxon Christian uh, foundation, you mm-hmm. know? And so I always tell people like, man, like when you watch the movie, um, uh, the black Panther, mm-hmm. there's a, so much packed into that movie that speaks to, to me, how you can misunderstand Cam Newton mm-hmm. because look how colorful the culture is in that, in that movie, look how expressive they are. The way they dance, the way they, the way they, they carry themselves, the, 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 the type of kind of like in your face kind of the, the way that they do the things. Whole like, yeah, the whole energy. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, that's a that's a make believe uh, place, but a lot of the that intentionally things were put into that movie to yeah. reflect mm-hmm. African American culture. It comes from and a real place. Exactly, it comes from a real place, and so and so. When you look at a guy like Cam Newton, who's expressive, he dances. He kind of he has a big smile on his face. You know, he's doing the Superman thing. The way he, the clothes that he wears, like man, if you're getting bent out over the clothes, and you're just you're just looking like you're seventy years old. But if you yeah. look around the the you know the NBA, the guys they just wear weird stuff. Like whether you like it or not, I don't really care. I'm not gonna wear it. But if they want to wear it, wear it. It's not that big a deal. Uh, but uh, but but that whole expression of culture and stuff kind of scares people when, when they want you to fit into this. When it's not aligned to right. what they think. They want you to fit in a square court. and yeah. you're a circle. Like, oh, you know, you're and you're a quarterback? Yeah, this is how you yeah. play the position when, you know, I I want to see how Mayfield does because Mayfield's not your your, right. your typical quarterback yeah. and, he, and he looks different. I woke up and I felt dangerous. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to see how he navigates it because he's a fun-loving, he's a dancer, mm-hmm. he's a yeller, he's, he's cocky, yeah. you know, let's – See how he navigates this thing. I hope, hope well, you know, I hope he does his thing. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, man. Yeah. That's life. 
everyone's different. We don't all walk the same. We don't all talk the same. You know, just accept it. That's a good dude. He, he He's never got arrested for hitting a woman. He ain't sold drugs. Right. He pays his taxes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to like him, but he's a law-abiding citizen. He just just don't, don't, just don't store your misunderstanding of him uh, and then verbalize it as, as if he's something wrong. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's where the problem is, is exactly. when, it, when you don't understand it, but then you verbalize it in a way and the way that you do understand it has been something wrong and mm-hmm. it could just be something different yep. and different isn't wrong. So anyway, different ain't wrong. I like <laughs> it. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's move on to our, our, our we're going to close our, our podcast here with, um, with a little Super Bowl overview. So tomorrow's big game, the Rams versus the Patriots. The Rams come in with the hot young coach, the hot young quarterback, the uh, all-everything running back, uh, the all-world defensive tackle in Aaron Donald, and then in Dominican Sue, who is just a big, mean, nasty dude. You have some very capable corners in the backfield and um, uh, Peters and – what's his name? Help me out here. What's the other corner for the Rams? Peters. Peters and the dude from the Peter the dude from um that came from the from Denver. Ah, to live. Yeah. So they they have they have capable players on defense and and some dominant players on defense. Then you have the Patriots who come in as that's kind of the old guard. They have an offensive line that people don't give a whole lot of credit to. You have Tom Brady who's you know forty two thousand years old, and you have <laughs> you have these receivers that nobody has heard about. They're quarterbacks, they're lacrosse players. Uh, you know you have. You know, two or three different uh, running backs to go with. You have one that's, you know, White is more of a third down back. Uh, Sonny Michelle's more of a, you know, first and second down back. And then the, the kid that scored the, the uh, touchdown, like he, uh, it's a bankhead, something yeah. like that. He yeah. comes in and, and does his, his thing too. So, Burkhead, that, Burkhead there's, there's no one that is like blowing you, blowing you off the map as it relates to their skill talent, uh, uh, their talent. But, but you do have this. Man, should I bet against Tom Brady? Mm-hmm. Thing you know, they, and should I bet against the old dude that doesn't talk to anybody? Who's the grumpiest old dude with the ugliest Grumpy. t-shirt, you know, sweatshirt ever? And Bill Belichick, like, so what are your what are your thoughts? Like, who? What are your thoughts going into the game about that matchup? You know, what is what is it that you're gonna be looking for? And then and then also uh, before don't you know don't give the score what you think the score is gonna be or who you're gonna win? But for what do you think each team would have to do to win? Each team, one, the Rams have to get Gurley involved. He cannot have three or four touches like the game before and expect to win this game. C.J. Anderson has been a good running back in the league for a few years. He's been released. He was a pro bowler at one point. But you're not going to put the game in C.J. Anderson's hands. (laughs) You need Todd Gurley to be the MVP candidate. He was, in the beginning of the season, to show up. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he needs to have 170, 200 yards from scrimmage. But he needs to touch the ball ten to fifteen times just to keep the defense. Why do you honest. think he didn't touch it that many in the championship game? Well, there was a pick right off his hands, um, and then also he just didn't seem explosive. But to go against that, three or four touches don't really give give a running back a chance to show that he's locked in, he's ready to go. I think it's more of the sideline, you know, his conversations with McVay, with his O line. You know, maybe they just they weren't feeling them that right. day. You know, there's there's something off. And people to expect football players to play perfect every game, it's it's impossible. Tom Brady isn't perfect every game. 
And, you know, you're going to have your off days. Unfortunately, Todd Gurley's off day was in the biggest game of his life. And um, he's fortunate enough to still be in the Super Bowl. But Gurley has to get going. He needs touches. He doesn't even have to have, like I said, all these yards. But he needs touches. And on the other side of the ball, Brady, no turnovers. He cannot turn the ball over. And they need to continue to run the football, right? It's crazy right. how I talked about Todd Gurley getting touches, run the ball. And on the other side, you got to help the old man out yep. and, and allow him to run the ball to take pressure off him. Because Brady's not standing back there for four or five seconds anymore and launching the ball 60 yards down the field. Uh, he's a dink and dunk guy right now. He'll throw the ball 20 yards across the middle. But for the most part, he's getting the ball out of his hands quickly. And the run game is going to help him get get the ball out of his hands quickly because now those linebackers are biting up and um, just creating space on that second level. End of the day, it comes down to England. Run the ball. Don't turn it over. Uh, the Rams need to be efficient in the run game as well. Get Gurley the ball. And I think they need uh, just one big play, one game changer. Now, you know, maybe a, a big return in the kicking game or something. Or, or maybe... Maybe it's a, it's a field a fifty yard field goal right before the half, you right. know, to, to change momentum. But if you get down against the Tom Brady team and you give them the momentum, it's going to be hard as heck to come back from that. Well, what do you, what do you think? Do you think that the that the Patriots could win the game if Tom Brady has to throw the ball 35, 40 times? No, if he's throwing the ball thirty five forty times. That's giving and Dominic and Sue and the rest of that D line thirty five to forty opportunities to get a hit on them, and you are putting a lot of um, you're putting a lot of you're banking a lot on a forty one year old arm. Right. You know he's still the greatest to do it, but he still has a forty one year old arm and he's not moving like that. And you're just giving the defense opportunities to hit him. That's what it is. He's a pocket passer. Right. What do you do to pocket passers? Get them uncomfortable. Get them moving. You get Tom Brady out of the pocket a few times, you're disrupting the rhythm, and that's what he is at this point in his career. He's a rhythm guy. Jack up the rhythm for uh, for Tom Brady. So then on the other side, you know, the Patriots are good at taking away something. I feel like they're going to stack up against the run and dare Jared Goff to beat them throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. Now they have more weapons that they can throw to, even the running backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, how do you think? Do you think the Rams could get it done if if you had to put the ball in? Jared Goff's hand, hands against a Bill Belichick defense. And so then you really, truly would have mm-hmm. this young McVay mind going up against this this goat of a coach. Mm-hmm. So um, what do you think about those? I think that Goff is capable of having a big game. He's had, I think, four or five 300-yard passing games this year, multiple touchdowns in most of his games. Is he ready for the – there's – man, you you tell me, Ray. You've played in bigger NFL games than I have, you know. is I've never played in a Super Bowl. I've never played in a playoff game. Um, I have played in big college games and high school games, and I've coached in big games. Um, but it's all about can he handle the stage? Is he ready? Right. Is he ready to be given the ball and be like, okay, win this game for us? I know Tom is. Right. You know, I just don't know if he is. He has the weapons around him to do it. Um See, to, I don't know if he's ready. He's he's just a young cat. You yeah, to I mean? me, I don't, I don't, man, I don't really buy into the like. Oh well, you don't have dudes that are ready for the stage, and the coach is his first time, and the, like a, a lot of players have played in big moments throughout their careers, not not Super Bowl moments, but for whatever level you're doing and for whatever moment it is, it's big in that moment. Yeah, like it's, it's big for you in that moment. Like man, like. 
this is a big moment that that I need to show up and and play in. And then and then you look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady, his first Super Bowl was going up against one of the greatest offenses we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know, with with the Rams. And so and then and then he won. You know what I'm saying? So Trent Dilfer, who was like, yeah. didn't do a whole lot of anything, mm-hmm. but he had he won his, his one time as a Super Bowl uh, quarterback. He won. You know, and so um, so this idea that the veteran experience playoff Super Bowl players are going to be more ready than the the young cats. Yeah, there's veteran dudes that get nervous too. There's veteran dudes but that they're, make. They, but they're they're more ready. They've been I, there. I, I, yeah, they've, they've, they, gone, they, they've gone through media week. They've, they, they've stood there before the Super yeah, Bowl and heard the national anthem and the crowd going like. To it's, me, don't it's Mike, familiar though. It's familiar. Yeah, but to me, man, like when you get onto the sideline and the and the national anthem is playing, it's still familiar to me as from when I was in freaking high school. Like it feels exactly the same. So it's not like the moment got bigger. You know what I'm saying? You, I've played a lot of football. These guys have played a lot of football, and so it really does come down to uh, not youth versus experience, but who's who's going to play better in the game? The team that plays better will win, whether they're the most experienced team or they're the least experienced team. And so, and and to me, it doesn't it doesn't really have anything to. I think people use that to kind of build up the game and build up the matchup and give somebody credit over another team. But I would love to see if there was data that really supports that, you know, like the inexperienced teams lose more than the experienced teams or like if, however you want to, you know, we have all this Sabre Matrix stuff and all this mm-hmm. other kind of stuff. It'd be interesting to see. I was, well, I, I've been thinking about that all week long. Like, does that, does it really exist or is it just something that we say a lot and, and that we've gotten used to saying it like, well, they've never been in this position before. So mm-hmm. more than likely the other team is going to be more ready and da, 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 da. Well, if each season is different, each game is, is a new season and, and all that other kind of stuff, you can still have those, you can still have, you know, butterflies in your gut, you know, as, as a Rams, freaking crafted veteran. If the Rams lose this game, then the theory will be proven. If the Rams win this game, then that theory means nothing. Then it's, it's all the way not, not necessarily, though. Like, they can lose the game and the theory still isn't proven. Okay, they, okay, they can okay. lose just because they okay. lost. Okay, like they, they, they what, lo- what if they, they lose a game 52 lose, to 51? They lose the game and golf plays horribly. Okay, then the, the theory is proven. You would think, right, the young guy couldn't handle it. In the, it's all about how you win and how you lose. You, right. can, you can win and lose. It's all about how you win. If they lose and golf is lights out, he's 30 for 35, 350 yards, three touchdowns, one pick, then we could say, hey, the oh. moment wasn't big enough for him. So if they, so now if they lose and he's, he's 11 for 28, two picks and one touchdown – now we're like, you know what? He he wasn't ready. He's he's going to be better from this experience because now he knows what it feels like to be in that moment. But to me, then it really truly will be. It will depend on the way you go about uh, explaining the loss, because because if you looked at the let's say he had a terrible game and they're like, oh, he wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. But what if the the left guard was just getting his ass kicked the whole time? And he's getting pressure, and he yeah. can't, you know can't can't get the ball off. Yep. What if what if the receiver the ball goes through a receiver's hands a couple of times and ends up being interceptions? Mm-hmm. What what if there's a couple of drops? You you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like what if there's a fumble? Yeah. You know that's not you know one of the running backs fumbles or something, and all of a sudden you, there's an opportunity lost, so you end up losing the game. And then your numbers don't look great, and then you go like, oh, well, see, he he wasn't ready for the moment. Mm-hmm. It's like no, he could have very well been ready for the moment, yeah. but all these other things happened yeah. that that he didn't get to capitalize that, in those moments, and that is why. I'm going to give you my prediction now. Yeah, yeah. The Patriots are going to win this game. No, you're crazy. Because 
because they're not going to have to overcome all that stuff. They're, the Patriots are so disciplined in their approach and their play. When's the last time you've seen a ball go off of Edmund's hands and going for a pick? When's the last time you, uh, Brady's been driving to win the game? You know, I compare Brady to when I was young watching Jordan shoot free throws. I never thought Jordan was missing a free throw. Like, he would line up there, and in my head, I'm counting two. All right, right. there's two right there. I can't even remember Jordan missing a free throw. Right. You know what I mean? I can't remember Tom Brady not stepping up and getting it done. I think because golf is going up against one of the greatest of all time, and he's proven that he could win, it's. It, I mean, it's hard to bet against that. You're gonna go against what's what's been proven. Well, to gosh work. dang it, I'm betting yeah. against it. You bet against yeah, it. Yeah, man, got I'm the not, Rams. Yeah, I got the Rams. Why? Man. Why? I just I just feel like the Rams, especially on defense, like down the down the stretch and then into the playoffs, their run defense has, has been has been better. And then and Dominican Sue has just been playing with a different engine. It's like they it's like they took him into the garage and swapped out like his V6 for you know six point four liter. So he's, he's an X factor for you on that like, that Rams team. If he plays he, well, he is, they win the ball game. Yeah, if he if he plays inspired football the way he has been playing, especially against the run, and then if I just I don't know if they're gonna have an answer for Aaron Donald. Like you're gonna have to lead that dude one on one a lot, and and I'm who, I'm, who, I'm I'm betting that he's gonna win that battle more than not. Okay, um, and so the so, Hawks, the Hawks this year when they were healthy, one of the best O lines in the game, right? Dominated. Aaron Donald, who, who yeah. was it? Who was it? Fluker said Fluker. He took him to the water. Yeah, or something took him like to the that. water. Yeah. Took him to the water. yeah, still lost. Yeah, we still lost to him. Right, right. So he can play well. He can do his thing. But like you said, there's so many other variables. And I think because of that one guy, number twelve in the back, he literally elevates everyone else's play. I don't think golf does that. I've watched golf. I've heard him mic'd up. Like he's learning how to lead. Yeah. You know what I mean? But. I'm not. I'm playing for him, but I'm not inspired by him. Tom Brady. I'm inspired. He w- walks into the huddle. I can imagine. I was in- inspired by uh, Hasselbeck. I've been to the Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, or you know right. what I mean. I had when he walked in the huddle. I'm like, all ears. You got my undivided attention. Let's go. Um, Brady just has that aura. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that Brady doesn't have that. Okay. What I am saying though is that. When you can get pressure on Brady, especially uh, in in the middle of the offensive line, uh, that's where he tends to, to struggle. And they have two dudes, two dudes. Mm-hmm. Like when I say dudes, I'm not just saying that they're yeah. men. Yeah. I'm just saying they're dudes. Guys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That can get at it, and they're and they're they're playing better football now than they played when they when we when we played them. And that's why I was saying like the just Indomitian Sue has just been a little bit more inspired. He talked the other day about even at this stage of his career, learning from Aaron Donald, mm-hmm. how Aaron Donald rushes a quarterback, how he uses different moves, like how he uses his hands, like different things, versus just using all his brute strength. Yep. And so so to me, his he was awakened by this opportunity to be a champion. And so I think it's going to – He's gonna have some inspired play that way, and, and I think they, I think they're gonna really disrupt the, the 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 Patriots offense, and then and then I just think honestly, I really feel like there's just so many weapons that the Rams have that that it's not gonna come down to golf having to do something inspirational. He just has to make sure that he gets the ball to the people that can make the plays. Less pressure. And, to perform on golf because of his weapons than there is right. on Brady. Yeah. I agree with that. Brady has to play well for, yeah. them, for them to win. Yeah, because Todd Gurley, if, if Todd Gurley is getting off, then then Jared Goff mm-hmm. 
can be like like Tom Brady was in his first Super Bowl. He may he may have you know twenty passes, twenty two mm-hmm. passes, mm-hmm. you know something like that, and fifteen completions. But uh, um, but I just feel like the Rams are are geared up for this game. I think you know early in the season when uh, Paul Moyer was saying like, oh, they got all these 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 personalities and how they're going to manage them and how they're going to overcome adversity. And I just don't see them being able to handle. It. They haven't had well, they've had they had it all. They had you know Talib been out for a long time. They had Marcus mm-hmm. Peters like you know arguing with people in the media and been who been who he is. You had the the defense not really playing up to their ability. You had the stretch in the season where golf just wasn't been the way he was at the beginning of the season. And they're now in the Super Bowl. And so 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 to me, like all those things that they needed to go through, all the different things they needed to experience, all the different adversities and things, even starting a game out slow against the Saints, all of that stuff, they went through it already. So and so the Patriots. And now they're playing with house money though. Like they like even with this idea around this this missed call, you're playing with house money, man. You can play loose and free. Like not, no, you're not supposed no, to be there. No one's you're not supposed, you're not supposed to be there, to be no there and no one is, and no one's expecting you to play against the GOATs. You know the, the the goats on the other sideline. Like, mm-hmm. are you gonna you're gonna just like welt in their presence? And I just don't see that happening. Yeah. I just I, I just I think that I think they're they're gonna if they stay aggressive like the like the Philadelphia did. I think they'll win the they'll win the game by Boss eight or ten the points. Ball over two times. He's gonna be shot. get out of here, Bubbles. I'm gonna kick done. you out of my house, he's man. Done, man. Hey, Boss, don't be don't be speaking that negativity twice, in his man. life, man. Hey, I I want the Rams to win. If I'm going to Vegas right now, I'm not putting money on. It. <laughs> so, so your so your 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 sports analysis dude is saying like, hey, I got the Rams, but the, when you walk out and the last part to go out the door, your wallet, yeah. that thing is saying like, I got the Patriots. You got the Patriots. I'm in my house. I'm going with the Patriots. Uh, and I, I don't again. I'm I'm like a Tom Brady's like LeBron for me because I didn't like LeBron. Yeah, and I'm a Laker. So I didn't like LeBron. You're parent, comparing him to Kobe all the time. I don't like him, uh, but I respect him. And right. I know he's great. And that's kind of my – now LeBron plays on my team, so I, I got to support him now. But All right. Uh, well, well, just like on the, our pregame, postgame show, uh-oh. you, you got you to give, give me a score. Give me a score. Okay. I'm going to go. I felt like this score has been thrown out there every week on the pregame show. 24-27, the bad guys and the Patriots. That's oh, you got the Patriots 27-24. What you got? Because I have almost – that's almost the score I was going to go with for the Rams, mm-hmm. like this 27-24. The Patriots tend to play really close Super Bowls. I think their their biggest margin of victory in the Super Bowl six. is six points. Yep. Um, but I think the I, I think the, the Rams are going to be just a little bit more explosive than that. So I'm going to go with the uh, – I'm going with the Rams 27-21. Uh, 27-21. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And uh, so – Two field goals in there, huh? Eh, a couple field. I, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I'm really feeling the Rams, and this, and it's not because I have this hate for the Patriots. Because I'm just like you. I do respect Tom Brady and uh, and Bill Belichick and everything that they've done, and all that kind of stuff. I was actually in the stadium and on the no tuck rule game, sitting in the snow uh, with a uh, my buddy Mike Compton, who was starting left guard on that team. I was, I told him I'd come to the playoffs, and uh, uh, if they made it, they made it. So I went went to Boston, went to the game. Um, and so I've, I have a healthy appreciation for, for what the Patriots have done and, mm-hmm. uh, and, what, and who Tom Brady is and, and what he's accomplished. But for whatever reason, I'm having a hard time even – I don't bet, but even getting my wallet to think about the Patriots. Mm-hmm. I st- I'm still on the Rams. So, yeah. 
So Big Mike has the Rams. I mean, the Patriots went in 27-24. I have the Patriot. I mean, the uh, Rams went in 27-21. Uh, this has been a really cool experience, uh, Mike. Yeah. We talked about it a lot. We throughout the season we talked about you know finding a space to have our own voice and work that out. And this is going to really give us an opportunity to do that. And so today was our first run at it. And I know things will get better. Our topics will get better. Our program will get tighter. Uh, our comments are, uh, are a little bit more in depth. And we're just kind of getting started at this. Uh, but look for us to be. Uh, at least once a week, uh, you know, posting a a program, and for now we're calling it the Big Ray and Bumpus Show. Yeah. Uh, if you can find us both on Twitter, uh, Michael is at Michael Bumpus Five, and I am Big Ray at Big Ray Seventy Two. So, uh, hope you we can gain a few more followers, get some uh, some feedback and some comments, and uh, we look forward to. Um, uh, just having some engagement with our listeners that way, and uh, and so maybe there's a space in there for for you guys to guide some of our our conversation. Again, we want to thank Guild Mortgage uh, for sponsoring us for the for the show and uh, have doing it like you know without even hearing us for the first time or whatever, but just jumping on board. We really appreciate that. Started by one, built by many, and now my buddy uh, Mike uh, Bumpus is going to give you guys just. Um, a little information about how to find the podcast. Where can you find this podcast, you ask? If you download the Anchor app, we will be posted there first, and then shortly after, it will be available on all podcast um, avenues. Spotify, iPodcasts, and a bunch of other ones I probably don't know about, but you will find us there at Big Ray and Bumpus. So once again, we want to thank you guys for joining the show. Uh, I'm Big Ray. This is Michael Bumpus. Well, tune in next week. Holla back. <laughs>